so good to have your word alive in us that we can hold in our hands, God, that we can unite to our spirits, Lord, with your word and your presence, God. Father, we thank you for this time of worship before your throne, God, and, and we just want to keep talking to you tonight, Lord, as we get in your word, and I just pray, God, that you will speak in this time, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Ladies, so glad you're here with us. Go ahead and have a seat. Thank you, Tiffany and Jessica and Vanessa for being here tonight and helping us to have this event together. It's great to see everybody. When I got here, it was pouring down rain. I don't know what it's like for you coming in, but uh, we've just been praying, even if it was raining. But really, I think as we get into this message tonight, you're going to find maybe God gave us even a little bit of visual if you had to come through the rain and the wind tonight on that. But we are just glad to be back together. And just like last week, I really hope that you brought your Bible with you. Because Jesus, the living word that we just sang about, is going to be speaking to us tonight from this word. I might be up here talking, but my prayer has been that his voice will be speaking into your hearts and your lives as we open up our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 4, and we're just going to be looking there tonight. It's interesting, though, because even though we're going to be in the New Testament, God is going to be using stories from the Old Testament in this chapter to speak to us. But I tell you, I think that the Lord, you know, just like Jesus when he was on the earth, sometimes he would use things that would make sense to the people, you know, in the time, stories, and that's why sometimes we read them and their culture was a little different, and we're like, what is he talking about? We have to study it a little bit. Well, I think he still does that kind of thing. He uses things. So I've got some things in my hands here tonight that I believe he's going to use to speak to us, and there's a picture of them up here on the screen, too, so that you can see what they are. But Many of you know that I have two children. Uh, they're both grown now, but they're still my babies. You know how that goes, all right? Uh, my youngest is actually about this big now and uh, just turned 18 and is getting ready to go off to college in the fall, and we're excited for what God's doing in his life, but I'm a little, you know, uh, about that. But, you know, that's what kids do. They, they grow up, and, and so even though they do grow up, they were little at one time. And what I'm holding in my hands tonight are some very precious pieces of their childhood. So I, I really want to start with this one. Um, it might look like a pacifier to you, and, and it actually used to be a pacifier. It belonged to my daughter, who's 22 now, but let's just say uh, she sucked all the pacifying right out of this thing. There's nothing left to suck on, but that did not stop her. She just got real creative, and what she would do, her name's Mackenzie, whenever she was tired or stressed or upset, all these things and more, she would, where she would have used to have, you know, popped that thing in her mouth and used it, but now there was nothing to suck on. So she would take this thing and put it between her fingers like that, and she would rub it on her nose real fast. And then she would just settle down to a place of calm and peace and rest. And every now and then, if you were being really nice to her, she would rub it on your nose too. <laughs> she, uh, she actually called this thing her kitty cat nose pass because it has a little kitty cat on it. But that's a really precious piece of Mackenzie's childhood. Now, Sam, on the other hand, he wasn't really interested in a pacifier, but he had this thing. 
which we affectionately called his bappy. Everybody gives these things a name, you know. But uh, you can't see or feel this thing really closely, but it is probably the softest thing ever because he just used all the using out of it, okay? I mean, we have sewn this thing. There's pieces where my mom, she sewed it together for us many times because, see, whenever Sam was tired or stressed or upset, all these things and more, if he could just get a hold of his bappy and he could put it up against his sweet little face, and even though he's big, he's still got a sweet face, and, and, he, and he would hold it up there and then he would just settle down to a place of calm and peace and rest. And that's what babies do, right? But here's the thing, ladies. We all grow up, right? <laughs> we all grow up. But our need for rest continues. Because all of us, I think, when Vanessa asked that, raised her hand, yeah, I'd like a little bit of that rest. And we all like that idea of going to the beach and somebody else waiting on us because we're tired, right? And, and we'd like a little bit of that rest. See, the world wears us out. And it stresses us out. And it gets us upset. All these things and more. But the neat thing about Hebrews 4, and one of the reasons I love this chapter so much, I mean, it's like one of the top favorites for me. God has worked so much in my life through Hebrews 4, is because God speaks to us about a divine rest that only he can give. It's much better than a passy or a bappy or any of that kind of stuff. God has rest for you. He has rest for you, not just tonight, we're going to talk about it tonight, but way beyond tonight, God has rest for each and every one of us, for all those moments where we're tired and stressed and upset and more. And I know in a room this size, there are many women that have come here tonight, and one of those words, if not all of those words, fits exactly the way that you're feeling when you came in here. But God wants us to experience his rest. So we're just going to jump right in here and start reading and see what he has to say. Now, verse 1 starts with a word, therefore. And how many of you know, when you see the word therefore in the Bible, you need to do what? You need to ask, what's it there for? Okay? So that you can really understand what God's saying. So we're going to go back to Hebrews 3 to see what is he referring to. And in Hebrews 3, the writer of Hebrews was talking about the Israelites. And he was talking about how they were not able to take hold of God's rest because they were disobedient and unbelieving. In fact, in verse 19, the last verse of Hebrews 3, he says, And so we see they were not able to enter because of unbelief. That's what he's talking about. And then he moves on to this verse 1, Therefore, it's a follow-up to that. Therefore, let us fear, he says, while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you should seem to have come short of it. See, he's saying, believers, I don't want you to miss out. I don't want you to be like these Israelites who almost reached God's rest but really didn't. They couldn't grab hold of it. They came up short. He's saying, don't come up short. And yet, how many of us do? How many of us have been filled with the Spirit of God? We're Christians, and yet, when we get tired, when we get stressed, when we get upset, all these things and more, we become like an unsettled baby without her passy, right? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? And we all know 
how that goes. Because when a baby does not have her passy or her bathy, parents will do whatever it takes <laughs> to get that thing. How many parents have crawled under cribs at 3 a.m. in the morning, groping in the darkness, thinking it's under here somewhere because the baby's just wailing and they're just throwing them over the side of the crib, you know, uh, trying to get you to come play uh, hide and seek with me in the middle of the night or something. But parents will crawl. I've done it many times <laughs> looking for one of these ho-ho nose passy or her other one was called a ho-ho nose passy because there was a Santa Claus on the front of it. But you know, it was either one or the other. Actually, when she used to go to bed, she would go to bed with one in each hand and one in her mouth. So that was one that still had some sucking in it. So, I mean, we would crawl under the crib in the middle of the night. Or how many parents have turned the car around and driven how many miles back in the other direction to go to the park or the restaurant or grandma's house or whatever because Bappy was left there and baby's crying in the van and we got to find this thing because we don't want that baby to be without that thing they need so they can have their rest. Because a baby not at rest makes life miserable for everyone. And you know what? The same is true for us, right? An anxious woman who's dealing with things that are tiring and stressful and upsetting. I mean, all these things and more that cause us to be agitated and cranky and irritable. I know you don't know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> right? Okay. What would your husband say? What would your sisters and brothers and all that say? You know, we know what that, what that is. Well, ladies, God has more for us than that. He has more for us than that. And he tells us about it in Hebrews 4. See, the Israelites didn't experience it. They came up short. But the living word for us here tonight is, we don't have to come up short. We can actually experience the rest of God. See, the writer is talking about the Israelites. He's going to showcase their example throughout this chapter. But he's talking to believers. And that's us, right? We're the believers, so he's talking to us. So let the Spirit talk to you tonight through this chapter. Read verse 2 with me. It says, For indeed, we've had good news preached to us, just as they did also. But the word they heard did not profit them, because it was not united by faith in those who heard. Now this is really interesting. We find out in the Old Testament they had good news preached to them. What was the good news that was preached to them? Well, the Greek word here for good news really points to the message of the gospel that focuses in on the fact that God is a loving father. He has that paternal love for his children. And so that news was preached to the Israelites all throughout the Old Testament. I mean, just read your Bible. It's all over the first 39 books. How much God loved and cared for the Israelites as his own children. And for ages, God kept telling them over and over again, now, in the New Testament, that gets even fuller as we come into understand the gospel of Jesus Christ and how that is so much fuller and so much richer because then we really understand the fullness of God's love, but it doesn't mean that they didn't hear about God's love as their loving Father throughout the Old Testament. They heard it over and over again. And you know what? I've heard it over and over again. How many of you have heard about God's love and his care for you over and over again? But yet, a lot of times, we don't experience the rest of God. In fact, it says right here, it did not profit them. Why is that? It tells us that too. It says it was not united by faith in those who heard. And see, I wonder how many of us that is true for us as well. 
We've heard the good news of the gospel over and over and over again, but we haven't united that news with our faith. And because of that, a lot of times in our life, we're not experiencing the rest of God that he has for us, that prophet of rest. Well, it doesn't have to be that way. The answer is here that we actually can experience it. We can grab hold of this and mix this with our faith, and we can unite with this rest. We can actually not come up short, but actually begin to experience it. You know, I just, I think of my own story as I hear the story of the Israelites here, because it really just matches in, in so many ways. When I was a little girl, I'm told that I had a passy, and that I loved my passy. So much so that, you know, you get to a point where the baby isn't a baby anymore and you got to get rid of that thing, right? I mean, it either falls apart or something, or you got to get rid of that. And so my mom got really, really creative. And she talked me into giving my passy to a squirrel. <laughs> and so I don't know how it happened. I think it was probably a pretty traumatic moment for me. All I know is from the moment I didn't have that passy till I was almost 30 years old, I don't think I really had any true rest, okay? And that's when I began to experience the rest of the Lord. I don't, I don't have problems with that. Actually, my mom and I are very close and all that, but I think it was a little bit of a traumatic experience for me. But you know what? By the time I was in my 20s, I can't even tell you how many times I had heard the good news, <laughs> Because I grew up in church, I went to church camp several times a year in the summers, you know, I, I did small groups, I went to Bible college, my husband was a preacher, I mean, all of this, I heard the good news over and over, and yet there was always a storm brewing in me. I was tired all the time, physically tired, you know how you talk to some people and every time you say, how you doing, I'm so tired, you know? And, and, and I was physically tired, but I was just tired of life, really. I was stressed out about a lot of things. I was upset. I mean, the littlest thing could just set me off. I mean, all this stuff and more. The word rest in Hebrews 4 actually means, the literal meaning of it is a calming of the winds. That's why I said God gave us a visual if you came in through a storm tonight, okay? It's a calming of the winds. And there were a lot of winds in my life. The word prophet means to be of benefit, to be of an advantage to a person. See, but the prophet of this good news that I had heard about so many times, more than I could count, was always out of reach to me. I never could seem to get to that, that everybody always talked about. Jesus is the peace for your life, peace like a river, all of that. But I mean, there was a storm going on in me, just the littlest thing. And it would be a storm in me. It didn't have to be howling winds for me to start howling, if you, if you know what I mean, okay? I mean, just a little waft of frustration or a, a draft of rejection or a breeze of discontentment or, you know, maybe a gust came in, a quick gust of wind and it unsettled my plans for the day and I would be undone. And I won't even tell you about what would happen when the, when the big winds came in because that, that just really wasn't a good scene. But Ian, some of you know those scenes too. You could, you could tell about those scenes in your own life. But see, even though I heard this good news all the time, just like the Israelites, I was coming up short of what God wanted me to experience. But that doesn't mean that God wasn't offering it. He was offering it. In my later 20s, God put some women in my life who really began to turn my heart to the word of God. 
That's one of the reasons I believe in women's ministry, because I know the power of what can happen in a woman's life when some women who know the word, love the word of God, love the Lord, come alongside some other women and help them find these truths here. That's why we're here tonight. These women had such a profound impact in my life. And so I began to turn my heart to the word of God. And one of the chapters that I began to study was Hebrews chapter 4. And God began to speak to me about faith. See, the good news of God's care and rest, I mean, it was here. God had told me about it again and again. But my life experiences were over here. They were tiring. They were stressful. They were upsetting. I know that you can identify with what I'm talking about. You have images going through your mind, maybe of even something that happened today. I just couldn't figure out how to unite those things. Well, God began to show me it is your faith that's going to unite those things, Sharon. And that's what he began to talk to me about in Hebrews chapter 4. Now, hold that thought about uniting. It's going to be a major thought for us tonight, and we're going to come back around to it as we work our way through the chapter. But I want to read the next three verses to you, and I just want to mention before we do. When you first read these verses, maybe if you even read Hebrews 4 before you came tonight, you might have been like, what? (laughs) Because it's a little confusing. It almost sounds like a riddle because it sounds like God's offering rest and then it sounds like he's not. And and so I just want you to know it's not a riddle, okay? Uh, We don't have a lot of time tonight to delve into these verses. There's a depth here that we just don't have time to get into. There's some quotations from the Old Testament and that kind of thing, but I want to read it to us because I believe God wants us to focus more towards the end of the passage in a few minutes, but I'm going to read them and just give you a few bullet points so we don't just skip right over them, okay? Let me read. It says, for we who have believed enter that rest just as he has said as i swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest although his works were finished from the foundation of the world for he has thus said somewhere concerning the seventh day and god rested on the seventh day from all his works and again in this passage they shall not enter my rest now let me just give you a few bullet points and then we're going to move on from that since before the foundation of the world God has prepared rest for us. Just like he rested, he's prepared rest for us. And those who believe, those who unite their faith to that rest, they're going to find that rest. They're going to grab hold of it and experience it. God knows this amazing treasure that he's holding out to us. And so when his children reject this treasure of rest, it really angers him. Some of us in this room have the privilege of being parents. And when we have something in our hands that we know our child needs and they won't take it, what does it do in your heart? (laughs) It angers you where our God is holy. His love for us is perfect. Can you imagine as he's holding this rest out to us and we don't take it, that holy wrath. It's not a wrath like he wants to, you know, just pounce on us. It's a, oh, would you please take what I have? It's killing me to see you in these places of unrest, so tired and stressed and upset. Now, before we move on, I think we need to talk then about what is his rest. What is God talking about? We've already said the word here specifically for rest means a calming of the winds. Well, what is the divine rest of God that the Bible talks about? Is it a calming of the winds? Yes. Can you apply it to one category? I don't think so. See, some people hear the word rest and they automatically think of the word Sabbath because the Bible talks about the Sabbath rest a lot. And and that's a very biblical thing. Some people hear the word rest and they automatically think of a perpetual rest, like heaven, because we're going to completely rest, you know, from our toil and labor and tears, and that's just going to be so amazing. 
But see, I think what happens a lot of times is in our humanity of trying to understand something, we want to grab a hold of a word in the Bible, and we just want to be able to control it and understand it, and so we put it into this one category thing. But I don't believe you can do that with the rest of God when you read all over the word of God and how it's described. See, I think God's divine rest that he offers us, I mean, it's beyond our understanding. We can't even fully describe it. There is a depth of rest that God offers us that goes way beyond me just taking a a day off once every seven days. (laughs) Okay, although that's a very biblical thing, And part of the rest that God offers, he made our bodies. He knows you cannot go full steam, you know, day after day after day without taking some rest. So that's a very biblical thing. But see, God desires us to have this calm, this peace, this rest in our souls. Even though the winds are always howling, and they're going to be, because life is tiring and stressful and upsetting and more, right? Shake your heads, yes. Very, I know. Somebody say amen. It it definitely is that way, okay? So it's going to be like that, but God is saying 24-7, I want to be so present in your life that you're going to know that you know that you know that I am God, that you are just settled like a sweet baby at rest in my arms. Now, we all know that's probably not going to completely happen for us until we get to heaven. But that's God's desire for us. And in our limited expression, we may not be able to describe God's rest fully. I mean, my pastor recently shared with me that even just in Hebrews 4, he sees four kinds of rest that God offers. And see, I believe the Bible just describes God's rest in such a full way, but even we in our, in our limited expression, we can't describe it fully. But here's one thing I'm certain of. You fully know when you're in it, and you fully know when you're not. <laughs> you may not can describe it fully, but you know the difference in here. I sure did. I don't know what your experience has been, but I know that God has every one of us in this room here tonight to offer you his rest and to say to you, don't come up short. It is my desire for you that you walk and live in my rest. I personally know what it's like to come up short of it. I lived that way for a long, long time. But I also know, I've experienced a lot of moments. It's not full for me completely yet, but I've experienced a lot of moments that I've grabbed hold of the rest of God. I began to experience these moments of God's rest when I was probably about 30 years old after I got off over that trauma of the passy thing. You know, it took me a really long time. But God began to show me how to unite my faith with these unsettling experiences, how to reach out for the truth that he's given in the presence. And we're going to talk some more about that because where I learned that is right in Hebrews 4. God goes on to tell us as we keep reading that his rest is still available to us. And he wants us to be convinced of that. Read with me in verse 6. It says, Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience, he again fixes a certain day. Today, saying through David, after so long a time, just as has been said before, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. There remains, therefore, a Sabbath rest for the people of God. The rest is there for us, ladies. See, tonight can be a night where you unite your faith with the rest that God is holding out to you, that he wants you to experience, where you stop coming up short. 
See, I love how this is worded here in verses 6 through 9. Sure, they missed it. The Israelites missed it. We cannot go back and change that for them. But you don't have to miss it. What is it that it says? It says, he again fixes a certain day. What is that day? Today. (laughs) Tonight. It's right here. The writer quoted these words from David. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. You know who David was, right? He was one of those few people in the Old Testament times who had some moments where he grabbed hold of the rest of God. Talk about a man who went through things that were tiring and stressful and and upsetting. Just read the Psalms and, and you'll see it all over the place that the winds were just furious in his life lots of the time. And a lot of times he came short of that rest. And the people that he was leading, that he was king over, came short of that rest. But then we also know that he's a man after God's own heart. And we can read about those times where he didn't come short of the rest of God. In fact, in Psalm 62, 1, David wrote these words that you've probably heard before. My soul finds rest in God alone. Our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. That that soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions would be at rest. And David said, I don't get it from anywhere else. Only from the Lord. And just as David had at one time pleaded with the people, don't harden your hearts to what God is saying to you, this writer of Hebrews is quoting David to the people he's writing to, which is us, and he's saying, don't harden your hearts. And I would say tonight, probably in this room, some of you already have started doing that. In your mind, you're thinking, I've tried that before. You know, God, he just must not care about this situation for me because there is just no rest. <laughs> I've just determined in my life, it's just something i got to plow through until I get to heaven and take me Jesus because I'm about over it, right? And you just got this hard heart about it because you just think God's not... Ladies, God wants you to know. That's a hard heart. <laughs> He's saying to you, his rest is still available to you. And then he moves on to Joshua. See, Joshua was another man. I love Joshua. He entered God's rest. He was one of the young Israelites that God was leading on to the promised land. And at one time, he was put as a part of a team of 12 men. You might know that song, you know, 12 men went to spy on Canaan, 10 were bad and 2 were good or something like that. I did when I was a kid, back when I used to have a passy, I guess. But, you know, I'm really upset about that. You know, the more I've thought about this message, I've just thought, where is that passy? I have squirrels running all over my yard. Maybe it's buried somewhere in there or whatever. I don't know. We, we really do. We have squirrels. Like, you just wouldn't believe the things the squirrels do in our yard. We used to have a swing set in our yard that had a slide, and literally the, sw- the squirrels would go down the slide. <laughs> I, I don't get it. They've got to have my passy somewhere. I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. But, but Joshua, I really got off track on that, didn't I? Joshua was one of those 12 guys. He was going to go into the promised land because they were going to spy it out. Now, here's the thing. God had already spoken a very clear word to the Israelites. I'm giving you the promised land. It already belongs to you. (laughs) You're going to go in and you're going to dominate that place. You're going to take it. That was God's word. So all 12 of them went in. 10 of them came back shaking in their shoes. (laughs) It's so scary over there. They were tired from the journey. They were very stressed because there's like no way we're going to ever be able to do this. They were very upset, all these things and more. But two of the guys, and it's Joshua and his good friend Caleb, came back and they were like, yes! See, rest isn't always being quiet and putting your head on a pillow. Sometimes rest is like, God is so good. 
God has got this in my life, and I am so full of faith because that's how they came back. They were fully confident in the, in the provision of God. They had united their faith with what God had said to them. They saw all the same things that those same ten guys saw, and yet they saw it differently because they saw through the eyes of faith because they had united their hearts with the word that God had given to them. Later, God raised Joshua up as the leader that actually took the Israelites in, and just like God said, he always does what he says, they took the promised land. But what does this say here? It says, if Joshua, verse 8, had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that. See, even after leading them to the promised land, as God's spokesman to the Israelites, Joshua kept talking to them about rest, because there was more than just the promised land. See, the promised land was a symbol of rest to the Israelites, but Joshua kept talking to them about more. Read what he says in verse 9. It says, There remains therefore a Sabbath rest for the people of God. I love that verse. The Holy Spirit whispers that to me sometimes when I start to get agitated and upset. There's a rest for you, Sharon. Do you want it? Are you going to unite your faith to what I've seen, or what I've said to you? There remains, therefore, a Sabbath rest for the people of God. You need to memorize that. Maybe in another version, if you think that sounds a little bit too high language, I like that one. There remains, therefore, a Sabbath rest for the people of God. The point being, the rest is there for you. You don't ever have to be in a place where God is not providing rest for you. And just so you know, he said this to a people who were already keeping the Sabbath, okay? It's not like he's trying to get them to take a day off every seven days. They were already doing that. He was using a play on words because they understood the Sabbath. That was the day that they rested. That was the day they ceased from their labors and they went, Oh God, you really are God. You really do provide for us on these days. And he's saying, that's the way it's supposed to be for you all the time. There's always a Sabbath rest for you. But you know what, ladies? There are Joshua's, there are David's all around us to look at. People that we can see in the word of God and sitting in this room, people that you know in your fellowship of churches and your families who have entered the rest of God. Read verse 10 with me. It says, for the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works just as God did from his. See, people enter the rest of God. It's a real thing. It's not just some religious wording we use. People actually experience it. Do you know anybody that lives in the rest of God? I wish we had time to just let people come to the microphone and tell the stories of these people that you've seen who live in that place where God just has them. And they're like that sweet, calm baby, just just settled. It makes me think of a man when I was... uh, back early in my 30s, just really beginning to experience the truths of God's word and some of these moments of rest. It makes me think of this man. His name was John Hamner. And John and his wife, Joyce, were good friends to to my husband and I, people of great faith. Well, his wife, Joyce, was killed in a very tragic accident. And that following year, we spent a lot of time with John. See, I was just exploring some of these things. And so I watched John. And even though there was all these winds blowing because, oh my goodness, it was such a tragic thing when his wife was taken from him. They had an amazing relationship. I saw him dealing with all this stuff here, but yet he was at rest. He had united his faith with the truths and promises that God had spoken to him. 
It also makes me think of another girl. She's on our, one of our uh, mission outreach teams for our Living Light, our cherished team that goes into the strip clubs. And she has a little girl who's two. And her daughter had very major surgery the other day. And it's one of many she's had in her, in her young years because of a disability that she has. And just in watching her and seeing how she's handling that, I mean, this very stressful situation. And yet she's at peace. She's in the Lord's rest, and I just, I marvel at that. There's examples all around us. I'm sure that all of you can think of somebody that God has shown you, and their stories inspire me, but you know, I'm also very inspired by people maybe that aren't going through the big things, but it's the little irritations of life, and and it's not just their personality that they're laid back, okay? They've just learned how to just rest. And know that God has them. They've got their faith united with the truths that God has spoken into their lives. And so even though all this stuff is going on that's tiring and stressful and upsetting, they're able to rest and live and move and have their being and who God is to them. Grabbing hold of it, not coming short of it. There are examples we can follow and we need to follow diligently in fact in verse 11 what does it say therefore let us be diligent to enter that rest that's the examples we need to follow keep reading we don't want to follow the israelites who came up short it says lest anyone fall through following the same example of disobedience that's the example of the israelites who came up short of god's rest because they were disobedient and they were unbelieving to what god had told them Life's going to come at everybody. We're all going to have stuff that tires us and stresses us and upsets us, all these things and more. The difference between the ones who live and experience God's rest and the ones who don't all has to do with the word uniting. And I told you we're going to come back around to that word, right? And we're here at that place, okay? See, this whole idea of uniting, it really kind of brings me back to this idea of a passy or a bappy, if you'll just kind of follow me here. Have you ever seen a baby who's just sleeping through chaos? <laughs> and, and you might even go up to the mom and say, how in the world is she sleeping through all this stuff? And the answer a lot of times is, well, she's got her bappy or she's got her passy, and so she can just settle right on down. Settle right on down. See, here's baby, and she's tired, and she's stressed, and she's upset, and she might be wailing, and mom can see, oh, my child needs some rest. How can I get her calmed down? And so if mom will take the baby in all these situations that the baby's having and grab that passy and unite that baby with that passy, this amazing thing takes place. It It really, really does. That passy brings rest, and everybody around her is like, oh, thank you, right? (laughs) Have you ever been, like, in a grocery store or something, and, you know, you've had a long day, and you're already tired, stressed, upset, and more, and you're standing there, and and you've probably been the mom, too, so, (laughs) but, you know, that baby behind you, she just starts screaming, and, um, you know, Right? Like somebody did. But then all of a sudden, the mom 
and everybody's happy, right? Yeah, we've all been through that. We all have been. I just wanted to help you imagine with me, okay? But here's the thing, ladies. The baby can see it. The baby can feel that thing. And so as soon as the mom, as soon as they get old enough to be able to grab for it, they do it and they go, like, and just start sucking, right? That's why they suck all the stuff right off of it. But we are not babies. (laughs) We're grown-up believers. And you know what the Bible says about us? It says that we walk by faith not by sight. In other words, we're not going to likely see the thing that is going to bring us to that place of rest. See, we unite to rest by faith because the words that God speaks to us are not things we can always see. Sometimes he gives us sight of them, but more often than not, he speaks them and we have to believe them and unite our hearts to them in faith. See, here I am, no longer a baby, but I'm all upset, and I'm tired, and I'm stressed, and I, all these things. I, I'm, I'm more than all of that sometimes, you know? And, and, and the world begins to know it, because maybe I'm crying, maybe I'm depressed, maybe I'm irritable or cranky or pitching a fit. I mean, all these things that we do to let people know I'm not okay. And, and let me just say, there's nothing wrong with crying. I mean, God's not talking about being numb here, you know? When the winds are blowing and these kinds of things are happening in our life, you're going to feel them. You're going to feel discouraged sometimes. You're going to cry sometimes. I mean, when these kinds of things, like your child is sick, it's stressful, especially if it's something long-term or you've got to take off work and you've already done that 10 times this year and you don't know how you're going to keep doing that. It's stressful over here in that place. Or somebody said something that just pierced your gut, and you're like, how could you say that to me? Or maybe they didn't say anything at all. And you're like, do you just ignore me? You don't see me? Well, what, what is it? I mean, those things are upsetting, right? Or you're having financial challenges. All these winds are blowing in your life. Maybe there's been abuse, you know. Maybe it's just a situation at work that you just, every day, you just walk into this battlefield, and it's just tiring, and it's stressful, and it's upsetting. You know, those are kind of big things, but sometimes it's just, I spilled my coffee all over my white pants. Hello? (laughs) Or your husband drops his phone in the toilet. You know, those kinds of things, you're like, ah, or your schedule's overwhelming, or your child just smarted off at you, and you're like, I've had it, you know? I mean, sometimes it's, it's not really the big things, it's just the little things that build up. Sometimes it's somebody else's sin that's like just trickling down into our life, and we're like, really? Come on. Or maybe it's that we're looking in the mirror, and we're seeing our own sin effects trickling into our life, and that's even more stressful, right? I mean, there's all these things. And it's not that we're not going to feel them. It's not we're not going to sense that that wind is blowing at us. I mean, and we might cry or we might get upset. The point is God doesn't want you to stay there. When, when When the crying begins, God's saying, I've got rest for you. Do you want my rest? See, many of us live our lives over here pitching one fit after another, though, because we want our bappy. We want our passy. We want something we can see. We want something we can feel. And so we sit over here and we cry and we wail and we stomp our foot. God, just give me what I want. Why won't you give me what I want? I will feel better. Everybody would be happy if you will just give me what I want. 
But here's the thing. Even if God gives you what you want, it's not going to bring you rest. It might bring you a moment of happiness. It might bring you some relief. It might make you feel better for a minute. You might get to have something fun in your life. And, and you know what? God many times gives us what we want, right? Isn't he merciful? Isn't he good to just bless us lots of times when we don't deserve it? God is so good. But those things, those good gifts from God, are not going to bring us rest. We receive rest by faith, the Bible says. And we keep coming up short when we're over here demanding to have a fix-it that we can feel and see when God is saying to us, you're going to experience my rest by faith. Do you want it? God's rest doesn't come by sight, ladies. It comes by faith. And that's a message we all need to know. Remember verse 2, what it said? The promise of rest they heard didn't profit them because they didn't unite it by faith. They came up short. But the good news of Hebrews 4 is none of us have to keep coming up short if you find that you are. We don't have to follow their example because God has made a way for us to actually experience his rest. I want to read verse 12 for you. And I know most of us have probably heard this verse before. It's such a great verse. But you may not have realized it's in the context of this whole conversation about God's rest. And I just find that so fascinating. It says this, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. What does it do? It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of our heart. See, God wants to use this word that he has given us to cut through all of these moments that we're having that are causing all of this unrest. I often tell people, this is not a book. It looks like a book, and you buy it in a bookstore, but it's not a book. It's the living, active word of God. And if a parent can use this piece of plastic and put it in a child's mouth to bring them rest when they're a baby, how much more can the living God who knows us inside and out use this to speak into our lives and bring us to a place of divine rest? Amen is right. God is good. The thing that we have to do, though, ladies, is just like a baby grabs that passy, We've got to grab this word and unite it into our lives when God is speaking to us. But we have to understand we're going to do that by faith. Now let's talk about how that happens. Verse 12 tells us that the word is sharp and that it cuts through all the way to be able to divide soul and spirit. See, as believers, it's beautiful that we have the spirit of God alive in us. When we become a Christian, it's a mystery, but the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our lives, and our spirit comes to life. But we still live in a world where the winds are howling all the time. And we've got a soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions that gets caught up in those winds sometimes. And that's why we end up over here all stressed and tired and upset and more. <laughs> and before we know it, we're, we're in the middle of all that stuff. But what we need to understand is all of that that's going on God is saying to us, I can cut through that, and I see every bit of it. In fact, read verse 13. He says, and there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. So whatever it is that over here you're in a tizzy or upset or depressed or discouraged about, or sometimes you might not even know what it is. Ever been there? Somebody's saying, what's wrong? I don't even know what's wrong with me. I can't figure it out. Well, guess who can? God. 
because he sees. This word tells us. Do you believe that? Are you going to unite your faith with what that says? Every, every wind that's blowing in you tonight when you came in here, God knows exactly why. He knows the source of it. He knows exactly what will fix it. He can cut through that wind and stop it with his word if we will grab hold of that. But see, often what happens is God is never given a chance to pour out his rest into our lives because what we do is instead of reaching for the word of God, we, like a baby, reach for something we can see that's going to make us feel comfortable right in that moment. Maybe we reach for a new pair of shoes or we reach for a drink or we reach for, I'm going to tell you off because you just made me so mad (laughs) and that's going to make me feel better right now. Or I'm going to vomit in your lap all my feelings, and that's going to make me feel better. See, we want something. We, we want a book, something somebody can tell us that, that we can figure out so what's wrong with me so I can fix this moment, or I can fix my child, or I can fix this or that. And God is saying, I, I just want to give you my word. And my word is going to cut through that, and it's going to speak into your life. See, remember earlier how I told you I had all this tiring, stressful, upsetting stuff going on over here, and I had heard the good news. I mean, it was all around me, everywhere I looked, the good news, but I wasn't grabbing hold of that. I was grabbing hold of everything else, (laughs) trying to fix my life, trying to calm these winds and make myself feel better in the moment. See, whatever God tells me, i got to grab hold of that by faith. I'm not probably going to be able to see it in that moment. But as a grown-up believer, I've got to mature to the place to go, God said it, and I'm going to unite my life to it. See, that was the Israelites' biggest snare. They wanted something they could see. And so they were always going after gods that they could see. And God kept telling them, you have to unite to my word by faith. See, what does the Bible tell us that faith is? Over in Hebrews, later in a chapter, it says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. When you hope for something, you haven't necessarily taken hold of it yet, right? And it's the conviction of things not seen. Not seen. That's what faith is. And so when God has spoken something into your life, your circumstances may not look like that's true. (laughs) You, You might not even be able to see anything that makes that look like it's true. But if God said that, see, you might not feel tonight that God can see you open and laid bare. You might feel like God doesn't understand you at all. Are you going to unite to what the truth says or are you going to unite to your feelings? What the truth says is that God knows. (laughs) So give him a chance to let him pour out some rest into your life. See, we're not going to see it. But see, a lot of times I can see what a pair of shoes is going to do for me. It's going to make me feel real good right then and help this anxiety to go away. Or I can see what a cupcake is going to do for me. It's going to make me feel really good. Maybe even two cupcakes would be better than one. And that's what usually happens. Yeah, somebody's raising their hand back there. I understand. That's why cupcakes are not allowed in my house usually because that's what I end up doing. I can see these things that I think if I grab hold of them, I'm going to feel better. But I can't always see what the word is going to do for me in that moment. And that's where faith comes in. And I have to put some things and some disciplines in my life, we're going to talk about that in a minute, to make sure that I'm actually uniting my faith with the word of God. The Bible says that the word is profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. 
See, those don't always feel good, <laughs> okay? But that's what God uses his word to do in our lives. Sometimes they feel real good. But I want to think about that for a minute and give you just a, like a real-life situation. Maybe you, like me, have been over here in this place at one time or another where you're just feeling like, I just don't measure up. And so there's all this turmoil in your heart about that, you know? And you're seeing people maybe that are prettier than you are, or they've got more money, or wow, their family is so cool. I wish I had a family like that. Or, oh, I wish I had gone to school and gotten that degree. Or I just, <laughs> you ever been there? I mean, the comparison games that women play. And you know what? The Word of God has so much to say to us about our identity. See, God sees all of that, and he knows what needs to be spoken into my life about who I am and where my value comes from and what God thinks about me. See, a lot of times I think we don't care so much about what really God thinks, <laughs> and that's why we don't realize our value. But God's word will tell us our value. And so here is what he'll do when we grab hold of his word and we start to unite it to our lives by faith. He'll tell us truths. He'll teach us things that will speak into those moments. They may not make me feel better right then, but he'll teach me some truths about who I am because that's what the word of God does. It teaches. He knows the thoughts that I'm having that really just need to be rebuked, that I need to hear. That is a lie. That's not true. Don't believe that. Don't think that about yourself. Don't say that about yourself. He knows what I need to read, maybe in Deuteronomy or Psalms or in the New Testament, stories of how he related to other people so that I can see how he relates to me. And I can get an idea of what he's trying to build up in my heart. He knows what I need to hear to train me to think and to feel according to truth. And so he'll want to work that word in my life. And that word may not change the way I feel in the moment. In fact, it might make me feel like not so good. And so that's why a lot of times when people are really struggling, they reach for something that will make them feel good in the moment. But God says, this is not just a book. This is my word, and I want to speak it into your life so that you can find these places of rest. Will you unite yourself to what I say? And when we do, just like a baby has to put a pacifier in her mouth, we've got to put this word in our mouths. We've got to take it into ourselves. We've got to start speaking it out. Just like a, a baby has to take this bappy and hold it close to them and put it up to their eyes and their ears and their face, that's what we have to do with the Word of God. We have got to start uniting ourselves to what God has said. And then God begins to transform those tired, stressful, upsetting moments into places of peace that doesn't even make sense to anyone. And you're like, how am I in this place of peace? I don't know. In a place of calm, in a place of hope when there shouldn't be any, in a place of joy, when it doesn't look like there should be any. But our God has just put ourselves to rest. And we're just like marveling in his presence. See, and once you begin to experience that amazing divine rest that nothing on this planet that you reach for can give to you, you can't stand to see other people not having it. Your heart begins to break for people around you who are striving and stressed and tired and upset all the time. And that's why we do what we do at Established Footsteps. <laughs> because we want women to experience it. When I began to experience what God could do in my troubled soul, there's this verse in Psalms that says, come and let me tell you what God has done for my soul. 
how he has changed my mind and my emotions and my will. When I began to do that, I couldn't stand to see women struggling, especially Christian women who know God, who've heard the good news. I wanted them to grab hold of it. So that's why we started Established Footsteps. That's why we're doing ministry in places like jails and strip clubs or why our Haiti team is leaving this Friday. I hope you'll pray for them to go to Haiti because we want to minister these truths so that people can find rest. That's why we're building a church in Kenya. Because you know what? There are women in Kenya who are dealing with things that are way more tiring, stressful, and upsetting than we are. (laughs) And we need to give them this gift. It won't cost us hardly anything if we each one join in to give them a place where they can come together and the truths of God's word can be taught and they can unite their hearts and their lives to those truths. I want to show you just a couple pictures to help you identify more with this church. This is actually the pastor and his wife and their child. But I look at that sweet woman's face and, you know, I just want her to have a place where she can nurture women in the truths of God's word. You know, they already have a church. The church isn't a building. You know that, right? The church is the people. They already have a group of people that are meeting together. They just have nowhere to meet. And that's kind of hard. And when you get a place, a meeting place in a place like this, like look at this next slide. This is where they're going to build this church. (laughs) See, we get excited when they're going to build a P.F. Chang's like in Newport News, right? (laughs) I am. It's right across the street from my neighborhood. We can walk, you know. But can you imagine what it's going to be like in this place to build a building where there aren't hardly any buildings? (laughs) People are going to come. People that are tired and stressed and upset especially the women. I mean, that's, that's the ones I really care about. And, and I, I care about the men. That sounded really bad, didn't it? <laughs> Our men need, need rest, too. But this is not their night. <laughs> they can come to the church, but this is not their night. This is a picture of the church gathering. This is how they gather. And you can see a lot of the women in there. Ladies, we want you to give to build a church for these people so they can experience rest, so they can share these truths. So they can experience the rest of God that we get to experience as well. I could talk about that for a long time. God just built an excitement in my heart about it. But as we go back to Hebrews 4, we also need to understand in this uniting process that God not only gives us the word of God, he gives us his presence as well. I want to read for you the next three verses, verses 14 through 16. It says, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and we may find grace to help in time of need. See, every struggle that we've had here, every struggle that we're going through tonight, This tells us that Jesus lived through all of them and he never separated himself from truth. There was no sin. So that tells us that he was always in the rest of his father. And ladies, we have full access to go into the throne room and talk to him at any time. God has not just put the word of God in our hands to be able to unite to by faith. He's given us the presence of the only one who's ever gone through everything that anybody could ever experience. Whatever stress, whatever tiring thing, whatever upsetting moment, all these things and more, Jesus went through it, never came out of the rest of God, and we have access to talk to him about it at any time. And the thing is, he wants to talk to us about it because Jesus is this living word. As we wind this down, I just want to be very practical with us about what does that mean to unite our faith with the word of God 
and the presence of God. Because that's the key, uniting. We've heard it. We know the good news. We've got to unite our faith to it. The word unite, it actually means to mix together. It's definitely an action word. And the action is on us, okay? God is calling us, offering us rest, but he's saying you've got to unite your faith with what I tell you and with my presence. Now, how does that happen? How does my life become mixed in with the word of God and with the presence of God? By faith, just like a baby reaches for his passy or his bappy, I begin to reach for the word of God. And I just trust the Lord. I come to him and I say, God, do you see all these stressful, tiring moments that I'm in? I have realized I cannot fix them myself. And so God, anything that you say and anything that you are, I realize I need to unite myself to you. So here I am, God, I am ready to unite. And then you just start putting some disciplines in your life, some day-to-day just uniting. See, because there's just this general rest that we need to walk in. And as God begins to build truth in us, as the storms and the winds blow of life, they're really just not going to affect us like they affect other people because we're in the word of God. Our thinking is being shaped by the word of God. Our attitudes are changing and lining up with the word of God. How many of you know, in fact, next week we're going to talk about this some in in, uh, Psalm 32, but sin brings a lot of trouble. (laughs) So when you're walking in the truths of God's word and you've united yourself to the truths of God's word, you you just kind of exempt yourself from a lot of the trouble of the winds and a lot of the stress just by the fact that you are just uniting yourself with what God is saying in his word. But you're just bringing about this supply of rest in a general sense as you make the word of God a part of your life. And I'm not talking about just having a devotion so you can check it off on your list. I'm talking about just moment by moment, your life is lived in the presence of God, listening to his word, maybe on a podcast, reading your Bibles, being a part of Bible study, talking about it in the car, maybe you memorize, whatever it is that you do, but you're just uniting yourself just in a general sense with the word of God and with the presence of God on a daily basis. I mean, it, it takes more than Sundays and Wednesdays or whatever your Bible study day is. It's, it's a uniting, a daily uniting. But then there are some very specific moments where God is going to speak some very specific words into your life. He's going to say some things to you that might be hard, that might be rebuking. Maybe they're comforting. Those are easier to unite to, okay? It's the other kind that are sometimes hard. But he's going to speak something into your life, and it's going to be an offer of rest to you. And you've got to decide. Am I going to unite my life to what God has said? I'll give you an example in my own life. These last few years have been very full of winds, okay? Some really hard things. And early on, God began to speak to me from Hebrews 12, and it's a passage about running a race. And he, there's a part in there that says, fix your eyes on Jesus. And I knew that God was saying to me, I want you to learn how to fix your eyes on me. And so, you know, I did the normal things. I read it, I prayed about it, I declared it over my life, those kinds of things. But then God began to say, I want you to learn how to run. And I'm like, ah, I don't run. (laughs) I walk, God, but I don't run. And God just wouldn't let up on me. And there's a whole story with that I won't go into tonight. But eventually God convinced me, I want you to learn how to run because I want to teach you how to unite yourself with what I'm saying here because I'm going to teach you how to fix your eyes on me when it hurts, like, hurts. (laughs) Okay? And so I'm going to tell you, it was the most excruciating thing I've ever done to learn how to run, but I learned how to fix my eyes. And I can't tell you 
the way that God has brought rest into my life from that discipline that he has built. Now, I tell you that to say, it's not always that intense to unite, okay? But God might ask you to do something, I mean, completely physical to figure out what this thing is saying. I I remember uh, about a year ago, I was exhausted, and God spoke this word into my life from Matthew specifically. He said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I knew that he was saying, come to me, just bow at my feet and just let me minister to you. But I was so busy. That afternoon, a friend of mine, just randomly, but we all know that's not true, God did this, brought me a pillowcase that had that scripture on it. And it was beautiful. And I took it home that night and I put it on my pillow and I was climbing in my bed and my husband said, you're going to sleep on it? I thought you would use it for a decoration. I said, no, I've got to put my head on this thing every night. I've got to remember what God is saying when I go to sleep. And when I wake up in the morning, it's the first thing I need to see. See, that was the creative way God gave me to unite with that verse. See, that's because his presence is a part of this. It's not just me reading my Bible and going, check, I read today. I come to the presence of the Lord, and I say, God, what do you have to say to me? And it looks different all the time. It might be memorizing scripture. Sometimes I literally take this Bible, and I get on the floor, and I just lay my head on what I think the Lord is trying to say because I think, I'm so stupid. God, you just got to teach me this thing. You got to get it into me somehow. I have stood on top of this Bible and prayed before, literally, like put it down. And you might think I'm crazy, but I'm telling you, that's ways that I'm a, I'm a very, you know, involved person. And so I've got I've to connect with it. I want it to mix into my life. It might look different for you. God's creative. Look at all the stuff he created. He can do it however he wants you to do it. We just got to come to him and say, God, it really matters to me that whatever you've said here, that I take it into myself, that I unite with your presence, and that I unite with your word. And tonight we're going to give you some time to press into this word, unite, as we enter into a time of prayer. Because we want to unite ourselves with God's rest, ladies. My heart breaks for women that I see that are tired, stressed, upset, and more all the time, or even some of the time. Sometimes that's me and my heart breaks for me and I have to go to God and say, God, I need your presence and I need your word. Mix it into me, God. We're going to start with his presence. We just need to make sure that we're in the presence of the Lord. You know, worship can be a time of prayer where you specifically enter into the presence of the Lord. And you come to him and you say, God, I, I want your presence. And so, ladies, as we sing this song, just unite unite with the presence of the Lord. And then we're going to have some prayer time as well to unite with his word.